You are listening to the Mentally Strong Choice Mapping Podcast. I am Dr. B, a doctoral prepared psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner with over 20 years of clinical experience. However, my real expertise comes from having experienced unimaginable hardship. As a result, I created Choice Mapping, a cognitive behavioral approach. Listen and learn how Choice Mapping makes you mentally stronger. Hi, I'm Dr. B, psychiatric nurse practitioner, and today I'm actually going to be talking about domestic violence. A pretty serious discussion. I mean, I really think there's a lot of all or nothing thinking when it comes to domestic violence. I know that we need to protect victims and we need to uh, treat PTSD when it comes to victims. And I think that there are some really good resources out there and and really good um, topics, probably even videos and people to um, kind of have been experts in this domestic violence from the victim standpoint. Um, But there's always two people um, with domestic violence. Today, I'm actually sharing my personal map um, because domestic violence hit close to home uh, with someone I know personally and I was called in the middle of it. And um, so the next day, as I was processing what had happened, like with everything, um, I get out a piece of paper and I map it, that that thought map, that first part of the choice mapping process. And so today, I'm gonna share um, my personal map with you. So I think there's a lot of all or nothing thinking when it comes to domestic violence. Um, I know that I've heard things like, you know, if, you know, we teach our young girls or we teach uh, women, if he touches you, uh, you know, that's domestic violence, call the police on him, you know. um, But we don't talk to women about, and and I'm going to use male and female here just for uh, convenience in my head. um, And that's the experience that I personally had recently. Um, But this could be between, um, you know, any gender, um, and it can be the opposite. It can be a woman uh, being physically abusive to a man, right? So, um, but just for the ease of my mind in telling this story, I'm going to use male and female, male being the perpetrator and female being the victim. Um, So we have a lot of this all or nothing thinking of the victim, the victim, the victim, and let's um, punish the perpetrator. And I do think that, that we should punish per- perpetrators. Um, but I also know people who maybe have a domestic violence charge on their record and they're not a violent person. Um, and they got into an altercation, they got provoked. Um, and so there's two sides to the story. And I, um, I kind of jokingly tell people I have this gift slash curse that I, I can see both sides to every story. Um, and and I think that benefits me in, um, as a mental health practitioner. Um, but it's very hard when something like domestic violence is, becomes personal, right? So um, it's important to look at, at both people, uh, the, the perpetrator and the, and the victim, and um, figuring out what they need, what, what is happening in their mind that they get to this point. So a lot of domestic violence happens, um, you know, in in intimate relationships where they're disagreeing and things are rising, 
oftentimes there is alcohol or some sort of substance um, abuse going on at the time of the violence. Um, and so those, all of those factors need to be addressed. But I want to first start uh, by talking about the mental health of the perpetrator. We always, I, I feel like we teach that it's this all or nothing, that, that uh, a man that would touch a woman uh, physically um, is a bad person, a sociopath. And that is not always the case. And there are men who are, uh, you know, this is what they do. They are manipulating women all the time. They are um, definitely have that sociopathic, no, no respect for women and will um, have no qualms about hitting a woman. That is different from, I think, the majority of domestic violence that we see. Um, what we see is um, men, perpetrators, that are not taking care of themselves mentally. They have multiple things going on and um, multiple stressors that they're not uh, taking care of. And the stress is building, building, building. And, you know, you add a, an argument with the significant other and, you know, maybe even some alcohol and they lose their ability to control their anger. And so talking to a perpetrator right now, if you know that you are capable of getting to that point, it's not about willpower and not getting to that point it, or trying to control yourself at that passionate moment. It is about getting help when you're not feeling like that. It is about getting help in what are these things that are building, not the one thing that that makes you lose it. It's what are these things that are building? And I think, you know, with this post-COVID, we are going to get a pretty significant increase um, in, in domestic violence, not just post-COVID, like during people are spending more time with their significant others. They're, they're very stressed. A lot of people are having financial problems. Multiple things are building. And this is a precursor to not being able to control your anger. And so if you know that you have that in you, that you could lose it um, and hurt someone else in the process, you've got to get help when you are not that angry. Because the reality is, is you probably will not be able to control yourself, especially if you're drinking and then you have that anger on top. Okay, so um, if I can say anything to, to those people who know that they have anger problems, get help in, in learning how to deal with those multiple stressors. Okay, and we, you know, we believe that choice mapping is that ability to, to organize the brain, right? We talk about you've got to be able to organize and deal with the past, not stay in the past, deal with the past so that it's not affecting who you are now. And when I talk about the past, a lot of times um, with a perpetrator, they have seen that kind of modeling behavior. Maybe um, their father was abusive um, or they, they saw their mother being, you know, physically abused by, uh, you know, men in her life. And so that, that was modeled. And they even though they know they don't want to be that, they, um, they never really dealt with that, that trauma that they had in their childhood. And so therefore, it comes out when we lose control. Okay. Um, and that's, I think, a lot of people who are 
the perpetrator in a domestic violence just have not dealt with what they need to deal with and they just let it build and build and build and they explode. The other thing that we, you know, we do talk about a lot is the mental health of the victim. And we talk about the mental health of a victim um, kind of in that post-traumatic stress um, and how that affects them in the future. And it's very important to um, process uh, that trauma if you've experienced that. One of the things that we don't talk about, and the reason we don't talk about it is because we don't want a victim to ever think it was their fault. And please, I will repeat this, but please don't get that that's what I'm saying. But what I do want victims to do is to organize their brain, look back at um, their you know, uh, traumas and things from their past, so that they can make decisions that it will not happen again. And which means you have to evaluate what decisions did I make to get me to this point. And I know that sounds like I'm blaming the victim and please, I'm not blaming the victim. But I will give an example, okay? Um, someone who maybe hasn't dealt with a lot of their trauma in the past or are having attachment issues. And so when they fight with their intimate partner, it's it starts off passionate, which can be very attractive. But that passion, when when turned to anger, can be very provoking. So you get a, a woman who maybe is having attachment issues and is passionate and, and wants to, to feel this love and... and and is arguing and, and kind of pushing or provoking someone who who possibly um, is predisposed to being able to lose control, right? And you put those two people in an intimate relationship, and you and that's what equals domestic violence, right? And I see it over and over and over again. Um, these are both probably really good people that need to learn how to identify, organize their brain, take responsibility for decisions that they make. We often see victims re-victimizing themselves. They'll get out of an abusive relationship and get right back into another one. So if we don't identify the, the behaviors that victims um, are, are doing to get themselves in that situation, we're not actually breaking the cycle. We're just giving them that victim stance. And I'm totally anti-victim stance. Um, you can be a victim and not have a victim stance. You can be a victim of something and say, I'm, I'm going to process this. I'm going to get over this. I'm not going to let this happen to me again. Um, and even if it does happen to you again, again, evaluating was there any piece of this that um, was me, you know, trying to get that attention um, or provoking? And I'm not saying that you can, you know, uh, it's again that I'm not saying that it's the victim's fault that you provoked him and, and he had a right to hit you. He never has a right to hit you. However, you also don't have a right to, to, almost purposely provoke or push people's buttons in a fight. Like we have to be able to be stronger 
and, you know, continue to mature and know that um, this is a button for him and, and maybe I shouldn't push this. Maybe I should walk away instead of, you know, trying to fight this out because he's been drinking. Um, but again, not the victim's fault. But if you have to constantly walk away because uh, maybe you shouldn't be with that person either. But what we don't want to do is to let something to people who are toxic for each other continue in that relationship until it becomes domestic violence, right? So sometimes two personalities just can't do, you know, can't be intimate long term. Like it's not healthy for uh, either one of them. Um, and yes, there are toxic people, and this is not what I'm talking about today. There's people that are toxic with every person that they're uh, with. I'm talking about two people who are trying to make good decisions and get together and can't, um, are constantly um, bad for each other. And, and they're pushing each other's buttons. Or, you know, if you know that you can be a perpetrator, you know that you could hit a woman and you don't want to, then know that if you're with a woman who's who can push you to that, that might not be the woman you should be with, right? So it's not always about fixing things. Um, it's about each person taking personal responsibility for their own behavior and um, not getting to that point. Um, and so obviously, the um, the perpetrator has the most responsibility here, right? Or the person who has a potential to be a perpetrator. Um, you have the most to lose. If you lose it, um, you you know you will uh, likely catch a, a domestic violence charge, and that is um, going to follow you for the rest of your life. So, um, but I just you know want to talk about the responsibility of both people involved. And then lastly, I want to talk about um, calling the police or, or involving the police. And I will, I have to confess that um, when I got this call, that domestic violence was happening. Um, I actually almost didn't call the police. Okay. Um, the perpetrator in this case was a black male. And um, there's been a recent um, uh, killing of a black male for no reason. We, we hear about, um, you know, cops killing blacks in the, and, you know, they're not necessarily a cause. And, and that's actually the first thing that came to my mind, which it should have been the protection of the victim should have been the first thing that came to my mind. But I almost hesitated in calling the police. Well, I did hesitate in calling the police. Um, but I, I called the police. It was uh, a, a very smooth um, intervention. Everybody was safe. The police were great. And, you know, I realized that the media really kind of, you know, puts these perceptions in our mind, right? I mean, there's probably hundreds and hundreds of domestic calls, um, you know, across the nation probably nightly, and nobody gets hurt. Uh, you know, the police, you know, properly deal with things, you know, uh, the right person gets charged, 
And, um, and so for the most part, police are good, right? This is why they're there. They're there to intervene. If I would have showed up by myself and there was a gun involved in this situation, it could have been very, very bad, right? So, you know, I encourage you uh, to, to be comfortable in calling the police, that they, this is, um, they are actually trained to handle the situation uh, in a positive manner, okay? Um, I, said, I know I said lastly already, <laughs> but I'm going to add one more thing. Um, boundaries. So we all need to, boundaries for ourselves, both the uh, person who may potentially be a perpetrator and um, the victim, right? Boundaries are about protecting yourself. And so when we go back to what I was talking about, is this person toxic for you? Um, you've got to be able to identify that and, you know, set yourself some personal boundaries. And remember, uh, you are mentally strong. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about choice mapping, visit our website, www.mentallystrong.com. And remember, choice mapping makes you mentally stronger.